Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 81. I was supposed to be in San Diego today. Oh, wow. What a bummer of a note to start (laughs) off with. But the uh, rounds of toddler sickness have struck for the second time in a month. And so... I'm here with you recording a podcast. <laughs> well, you were either going to be recording it last night, so the podcast was coming out either way. Don't make it sound like you're only giving the listeners what they want because you're sick. But yeah, I'm sorry you missed out on your trip. It is life with a kid who touches everything. Yeah, the unexpected happens, right? When you're parenting. And speaking of the unexpected, I want to touch on something that happened this evening. Which, you know, sometimes you think you never know what to expect about what your kids will say. But tonight, I realized you also never quite know what your partner is going to say. As we were reading Goodnight Moon, and Oliver points to one page and says, what's that? To which the answer is very straightforward. It's a window. And that is what Rachel says. It's a window. And then Oliver asks, why? And I can think of many possibilities, but Rachel responds, for fire safety. (laughs) Which I respect that answer a lot. It's not at all what I would have thought. And then when I looked at you quizzically, you proceeded to give me a technical explanation of the definition of bedroom in residential homes in the United States of America? Well, do you want to share with the listeners your explanation? Well, I don't know why I always think of this, but I do. So I had some friends who lived in a house in college and it was a duplex, but they like shoved as many girls in there as possible. And I had one friend who lived in like the creepy dingy basement and that was like a room, but it wasn't really a bedroom. They couldn't list it. The landlords couldn't list it as a bedroom because it didn't have windows. And so it's not fire safe. And so you can't list a room in a house as a bedroom without windows. Right. I just love that your fire safety is based on this one thing and not the fact that humans (laughs) may have had windows before fire codes ever existed. (laughs) Well, you just never know. It is very fascinating. Oliver is big into the why question right now. So big into it. Which is, you know, I applaud his curiosity and also it can be very tiresome. <laughs> At one point tonight you said we can't be more specific than that. <laughs> <laughs> like that is, it just is what it is. But it does really force you to like think about the world and also like your knowledge. He was asking about why it rains in the clouds, why water comes down from the clouds. And I was like, you know, that part of science class has escaped my brain. And so I was like, Matt, your turn. <laughs> That's a very interesting time in his life. It sure is. I also, I want to shout out an unofficial mailbag. Friend of the show, Keldon. Today, I was talking with them. And that's why it's unofficial because it wasn't sent in. But Keldon asked this rhetorical question, which I think is a good one. It said, I don't know whether it says more about me Or about you guys that you did an entire episode on stuffed animals that I do not know and I listened to it all. (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive, Keldon. That's really commitment to this podcast. So that's, you know, we thank listeners for indulging us and some have indulged us beyond our wildest dreams. We're back to more interesting, accessible content for everyone. Well, don't make promises we can't keep. But tonight we, it's a topic coming from you. 
Tonight, we would like to talk about the role that technology has played in our parenting so far. Obviously, this relates to the technology that we let Oliver engage with, but also the technology that we might use as parents Mm. to parent or to inform our parenting. And I know this will change a lot as he gets older and changes, and as technology changes, I'm sure it will continue to be significant about the role it plays in our lives, but we just wanted to kind of hit this particular moment, what it looks like. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of, yeah, both what it looks like and what we would hope for it to look like, maybe. Yes, of course. (laughs) If I was to summarize our overall approach, it would be minimal, like, it, really, we think of it in screen time. He doesn't have a toy or anything that's particularly technologically oriented. Yeah, we have not given him an iPad or anything like that. He doesn't have access to games or something that he can touch and maneuver. Yeah, I think the closest he gets is swiping through songs on Spotify on your phone. Which he is quite efficient at. It is kind of you get how kids pick up things because he can find his songs yeah (laughs) yeah without being able to read is kind of remarkable but i feel like yeah there is a whole layer that we just haven't exposed or introduced him to which i think i'm mostly grateful for (laughs) maybe maybe not all the time maybe when he's really insisting that we run around it's like oh it'd be nice if you would just sit still and then we try to generally minimize like you're you well, you're better at this than me, but only like a show or something or two in a day. If you had to state our screen time rules, what would you say they are in mm-hmm. general? On a normal average day, we make plenty of exceptions for travel in airplanes. Oh yeah, for sure. When we're sick or yeah. I would say your rule of thumb seems to be like no more than thirty minutes. Of TV watching in a day. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And sometimes you'll split that into a couple of a couple of different sessions of viewing something shorter, or sometimes it might be kind of in one go. Why do we care about this though? I feel like do you think I understand developmentally, but there is a part of me that also wonders if like screen time is one of those like suburban parent badges of honor. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, what, we're minimizing screen time. Or like, it's either that, like you either have the people who are amazing at it and they're like, oh yeah, my kid does pottery. Like, and, you know, they are training for their track team at like four years old outside most of the time. Or it's like parents are carrying so much guilt because they let their kids have way more screen time than they want. And I'm sure there are studies and research around this, but also it does feel like maybe we're all a little intense about it. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I actually, a lot of my philosophy is influenced by a book by Emily Oster, who we've referenced before. Oh, nice. Her book, Crib Sheet. She has a whole chapter. So Crib Sheet is kind of birth to preschool. So it's kind of this age right now. And then she has a book that's for older kids but this one feels appropriate and there's a whole chapter on screen time and the biggest thing she addresses is like this kind of myth that what you give your kids can help them like learn like there was kind of this big push like 
I don't know, 10 years ago, like Baby Einstein, all these things that kids can like learn from TV shows. And according to her, the studies show that under two years old, they cannot learn much at all from TV. So like Sesame Street, as educational as it can be, like means nothing for a kid under under two. two. But from three to five, they can learn like vocabulary and stuff, which I think we're starting to really see now most most of oliver's language seems to be bluey tinged exactly like just in the last month even like he bluey is his favorite he's seen every episode like multiple times (laughs) but he is definitely picking up massive amounts of vocabulary from bluey and not only vocabulary concepts right like he asked you if if you had a true love right yeah yeah which there's a whole episode about that and he said do you have a true love mama is daddy your true love so he's picking up and he went through this like week-long phase of really being into drawing and it's because there's an episode on bluey in which they draw so i definitely see that shift whereas six months ago like none of that he would have like carried over so i do think it's interesting so like especially around this age like curating like what you have them watch i think is really begins to matter yeah it begins okay. to matter and then she says best evidence suggests that tv watching even exposure at very young ages does not affect test scores so there's a lot of studies done about whether it affects learning delays it if it like causes problems and she says not really so to answer your question i think I think at this age, it is important to figure out what we're letting him watch. Okay, yeah. And then I think it's really a matter of how much we want to let him watch TV because it means he's not doing other things. So if we say, if we value like play and motion and activity and him being outside, if he's watching TV for five hours a day, it means he's not doing those other things. Right. So it's not necessarily, I guess, the way I am thinking about it now, like... Yeah, if he if we're sick for a day and he watches five hours of TV, which he wouldn't. But if he did, like, it's not going to ruin his brain. See, now it's interesting that you say that, though, because I feel like there have definitely been those days where I'm like, it's okay. And you're like, no, like, you're just racked with guilt by this. So here you are giving us the the research, (laughs) but you have like a pretty deep visceral reaction to like, no, we can't just sit here. And watch TV for like one day or even two days in a row. Don't you? Yeah, but I think that's because I like I want like I is one thing if he is sick, Mm -hmm. then I think it doesn't. I don't feel as guilty. But if I'm sick and I'm trying to get him to sit on the couch and watch TV with me for five hours, then yes, I do feel guilty because he wants to be doing other things. He wants to be outside. He wants to be running. So if I'm just saying, no, 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 watch this TV with me, then I feel guilty because yeah. it feels like I'm stopping him from these other things that I want to encourage him to do. Yeah, but I I think it's it's maybe a little overkill. Like you should have a little bit more grace for yourself <laughs> of surviving. I yes, I hear that. But like on a plane, like I ha- I feel no guilt about letting him watch <laughs> hours and hours of TV. <laughs> well, it is so yeah, I I like that framing. I think that feels to me like a healthier framing because screen time can become sort of this the concrete goal to measure your parenting around technology by. And it's a very reductionistic. Yeah. Right. Like it's just one 
one bizarre measure. It's not even talking about like the level of engagement or anything like that that you might like the difference between playing a certain kind of video game and just watching passively show. I think there is a substantial difference between the two. Not that Oliver is capable of playing a video game necessarily. But but the other thing I was going to say is, oh, this goes back to the content thing and just how grateful I am to be a parent in the streaming world. Like yeah. there are so many downsides to our technological moment that we could opine about. But as a parent, to be able to select and avoid advertisements for other things, and obviously not every platform that's possible always, but for the most part, we do. That's amazing. Like yeah. if we press play on a Bluey and I walk out of the room and I happen to not be there when the episode ends, I know it's just going to run into another Bluey. Yeah. Like that's an amazing, amazing gift. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't really thought about that benefit of streaming is that you really can curate very carefully. And even like we took Oliver to the dentist a couple weeks ago and mm. they had TVs in the ceilings. It was like a luxury spa experience for all, but they have TVs in the ceilings and rather, which is in itself like an awesome thing. But then beyond that, it wasn't just like, oh, we'll show your kids whatever is on, you know kids channel i don't know it was like they had disney plus and so they're like what do you watch at home and you can pick what you watched at home and he just sat there and watched bluey <laughs> and it was like yeah wow this is pretty amazing and no ads for the most part yeah yeah like i mean as kids we would have been inundated with ads anytime we watch tv so right it is it is interesting to have a little bit more control over that almost makes you feel bad for these major corporations that have lost you know their key branding <laughs> identity no that's not true because oliver knows certain brands and it's amazing yeah he knows chick-fil-a just by seeing the logo uh -huh. like very easily and there's other things but that one especially it's <laughs> it's kind of nuts i mean his uncle joel works there so i guess it's it runs in the family but anything else you want to say i mean we kind of turned this into a conversation about screen time but that feels like it's the relevant discussion for this stage of our parenting. Yeah. At least with Oliver. Do you have any... You had mentioned that you wanted to talk about what technology we use, parents use. Do we have time for that or is that another episode? I think maybe we should make that another episode, a future okay. episode. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. I think there's maybe some overlap as I'm thinking about it, some overlap in the conversation, the ways that like we can attach anxieties two things or these things can create anxieties for us as parents that are maybe not always founded or necessary but it feels like it's own conversation yeah and i did find it even more tricky to navigate in the newborn phase like there's a lot of technologies that are trying to help bridge the gap because newborns can't communicate with you right so there's a lot more technology that's helping trying to help make that communication more possible which is kind of it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Let's revisit that. Let's do that on another episode. Thanks. I This was helpful for me to think about. I like the framing that you've offered in terms of kind of, well, one way to put it is to count the opportunity costs of screen time as opposed to screen time as a goal in and of itself. I'm sure many parents think of it that way, but hey, we're new at this, so I'm still working it out. No, it's helpful for me to... I don't know, put actual words to that as well. Maybe it helps you relax when you're sick too. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Do you have any other stuff? <laughs>
I just want to give a shout out to the idea of some kind of, hmm, how do I phrase this? Some kind of touching base with your spouse once a year in oh. like a significant way. So we do this thing we've called, we've called it the summit. We don't get, we didn't call it that. Yes, it's based off of... We have to give proper credit here. I was going to. Oh, okay, sorry. (laughs) We do this thing that we've called the summit, which is based off of my blog crush lady (laughs) and her husband. They call it the summit. I don't know if she got it from somewhere else, but that's what she calls it. But basically, once a year, we do it in January. You take a number of categories of life and you break them down and kind of talk about this past year, what worked well, and then thinking about the future year what you're kind of thinking kind of in broad terms some specific goals or areas you want to work on or prioritize but also pretty general and i just have found it really helpful every time we do it i think we since we had that conversation we've had a lot of important follow-up conversations (laughs) that i think needed to happen and it just gives space to make sure those things are being communicated with each other and sometimes with other people. And so just a shout out to making space for that. And this year we ended up having to do it kind of over two nights. Yeah, after a reschedule. So I get it's not easy to always find the time well, for yeah, it. Yeah, after but... a reschedule, but also because like this year's was like life-changing for me. <laughs> we might have to do an episode on that sometime. But just asking these questions and interacting with another person, I think... There's like a little bit of kind of New Year's resolutions-ish to them, but to do them with another person and to get kind of live feedback and to think about how this is going to fit into our lives and not just my life. Yeah. Don't you don't you think it's life-changing for me a little bit? I mean, you have, yeah, it's been a big change for you. So that, that's a nice little tease. Maybe we'll have to do an episode about that conversation. Yeah. I'm going to go on a very different note. And talk about, I'm late to the party, but earlier this year, I read Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And what a, what a book. I, I, I rate books in all different ways. Like it's kind of a five point scale, but I break them down into different things that add up to the five points. And I will say it was like kind of average on what I call the drawn in factor. Like, do I want to pick it up? Am I like excited about it? But the ways that all these stories about people weave together and it takes you a while to realize that they're going to start weaving together. And even at the end, you're not clear on how they weave weave together, but then they do. And just her observations about humanity. Yeah. It's just a really fascinating book. It's, it's not for the people who don't want to read about a global pandemic (laughs) because that is the main premise of the book. I mean, this book's gotten plenty of flowers before I'm, I'm just adding to them, but yeah, I looked at my Goodreads. I think I read it back in like 2012 or something. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not claiming to be early to this, but <laughs> it is part of my other stuff. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. So just, yeah, beautifully written, creatively written. The structure of it's really unique. So there you go. There you have it. Well, I feel like we've, in this one episode, generated two future episodes. So we're doing really well. So thanks. Let's keep, <laughs> let's keep podcasting, Rach. Until next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Tim's Day.